Hello and welcome to View Little, week 34. Week 34! Nobody told me there'd be a dragon! I'm Frank. I'm Fed. And today we're joined by virtual guest, Michael. Hello. It is Mike. He's, uh, he, he was, um... Long-time viewer, uh, long-time listener, uh, second-time podcaster. Once just a friend of the pod, now he's family. He's our virtual family, as he joins us again. Finn, initial thoughts? Week 34? On Mike? Yeah, I'm pro-Mike. I, I would say I'm pro-Michael. You calling him Michael really threw me off. I should have I should have I, I said Mike. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think Chef Mike is a, a great addition to any podcast. Does a lot of work in the kitchen um yep and we're glad to have him glad to be here i'm a big fan i've listened to most of the every eight episodes i've listened to (laughs) (laughs) and this time we watched we watched the avengers that's true uh iron man made an appearance i was i was cooking dinner for most of the movie but i think i saw iron man a few times (laughs) that's that's the scene (laughs) that's the scene so uh the main character of Doolittle, he's a new actor. Don't think I've seen him before. His name is name is one you're gonna to want to remember. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. He's in he's in Oppenheimer. Uh, I don't think it's Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is my favorite NASCAR driver. Oh wow! I'm pretty sure I would know if it was Robert Downey Jr. This is him out of uniform. That's why you don't recognize him. Oh okay. Number twenty four. Big roll. Big Rob, number 24. I should have said number 34 because this is the 34th week we've watched this in a row. How many weeks are left? Um, There are 52 weeks in a year. 18 weeks left. Do you guys feel uh, collapsing under the pressure yet? I do. (laughs) You think you're collapsing under the pressure? I... uh, I was I wanted I really wanted to start a countdown of weeks, but I wasn't gonna do it until there were ten weeks left. And now that you've made me say that there are eighteen weeks left out out loud, I'm uh I'm about to have a collapse here. <laughs> I'll be honest. Eighteen's not that many. It isn't that many. It's fewer than it says the guy 52. who's watched it a hundred and two times. Finn's <laughs> <laughs> on hundred and two. This is my third time watching Doolittle. What's uh what stands out from you from week or from the th- third watch for you? You're like a, a young um, lamb compared to us old yeah. goats. Not a whole lot stood out to me. I was cooking dinner for a lot of the movie and just sort of peeked in on it. And I got That's say, a good way to do it. It's the perfect movie to have on and not watch that much. Yeah, of, yeah. You know? I'd agree with that. What stood out to me was how much you guys still talk about the scenes after all these watches you've done. 34 watches and you're still commenting on every scene. We have to or else if we if we don't if we stop for even a moment, we'll both fall asleep. Mm. See, yeah, I've noticed. I'd argue that like what's the point, you know? Like this is our job. You may not take it <laughs> you may not take it seriously, but it's my job to talk through every single scene of Doolittle. That's true. I would think that it would the opposite would be true. If you're taking it seriously, you wouldn't talk at all during the movie. You'd just be taking We'd be note. coming up with things to say instead. <laughs> like my great bit about not knowing who Robert Downey Jr. That was. That was a good bit. And thinking he was a NASCAR driver. That was a very good bit. Yeah, normally when we watch it without people, it's just absolute silence. And then every once in a while, it's like, Frank, write that down. I do think that this is... A, 
um, our third time remote. Is that right? Yeah. I think that we talk more remote. We do. Because it feels less lonely that way. <laughs> <That's your laughs> watching the movie. Well, the other aspect is when we're remote, I'm less likely to fall asleep because I'm on a comfy ch- couch. I'm like in my chair. Yeah. In your gamer chair. I'm in my gamer chair. And I'm like, sitting up. Yeah, exactly. He's focused. He's gaming, hand on the mouse at all times, ready to click on an enemy. Who's your enemy in Doolittle? Who would you click on and absolutely destroy if you could? In Doolittle, in Doolittle. Yeah. Who's who's the first one you're assassinating in Doolittle Clicker? James. James. That's a good pick. I think I'd do the same. That's the mini game. I want to leave him till the end. I want him to be around the entire time. He's the time. final boss of Doolittle Clicker. He's the hardest one because he's so small. Yeah, the final boss is you have to give him uh, the dragon and enema. So you're like guiding the mouse. It's like operation. Like, yeah. <laughs> can't touch the walls. <laughs> Ooh, that would be a good Dr. Doolittle themed game. Operation, but it's a dragon. You're pulling armor. Yes, operation, but it's a dragon. And everything is a bagpipe uh, soldier, like a long sword. And, and the hardest piece to remove, Dr. Doolittle's wife. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Just when you said soldier and then there was the chopper noises oh that that's that's wilford he's shaking his head because he doesn't like that idea i forgot wilford was a military dog uh he's only five years old so that's a little bit too pg uh 14 for him five times seven is 35 hmm he's he's beating me yeah he's the same age as your dad <laughs> My dad is not 37. <laughs> he's 35. <laughs> We've been over this. Oh, he's not 35 either. Like, uh, he would have to have me at, like, five years old, pretty much, for that to be true. Not um, necessarily. Well, you're, like, 12, aren't you? So Yeah, you're that friendly neighborhood boy. <laughs> yes. Mike. Hey, get Mike on the mic. The View Little podcast is joined by any child that's walking by and is brave enough to enter Frank's home and watch Doolittle with him. We need somebody new to watch with us. That kid, get him. I was thinking of, like, Frank is the kid who mows my lawn <laughs> with the real mower and <laughs> I tricked him into being on my podcast and doing all the work. <laughs> come on in and come on in and watch this movie. Hey, kid, can you work a computer? <laughs> Do you know how to record stuff? Hey, you've got a phone, right? All kids have phones these days. It's a movie studio in your pocket, I tell ya. Man, these days, every third eight-year-old is a podcaster. That's why there's so many of them. That's actually pretty cool. So many eight-year-olds? Yeah, like every third eight-year-old is a podcaster. Well, uh, what was the things that really got you about Doolittle? What'd you miss? Um, So... Uh, I think I forgot to mention this. It was something that bothered me the first time I watched the movie with you guys. And it's still sort of, it's still sort of like a major plot hole in the Doolittle universe. Dr. Doolittle is a veterinarian, animal doctor, whatever you want to call him. He does very few doctor things in the whole movie. So you have the scene at the beginning where the squirrel gets shot. He brings it in. He does surgery. That's cool. And then that moment is over, and he doesn't do any more doctor stuff until the tiger scene, if you could even call it like that. Instead of being the tiger's psychiatrist, he immediately goes to just having a gorilla box it 
into submission. His other animal that he's trained to fight, he yeah. uses <laughs> to defeat he's, him. He's, he's training his gorilla to fight. And then at the very end on the Garden of Eden Island, no, Eden Island, not the Garden of Eden, the dragon, he disimpacts with a leak. And the, those three things are the only doctor things he does in the entire movie. And the second one doesn't really even count. In in my opinion, uh, you're missing one. All right. Yeah, I I wouldn't count the the like therapy session because that doesn't really amount to. All right, all right, we can throw it out. So still three things. He tries to mediate though, so I think it can count. Okay, well then there's four things. It's when he diagnoses the queen. Oh, good point. Yeah, it's true. That's a good it's point. True. He doesn't diagnose the queen though. The dog does that for him. Kind of. They work together. They do work together, but I'm just saying. He didn't know. That's why it is kind of surprising that he doesn't go up and like use his stethoscope or anything or like. Yes, he's a human. He's a bad doctor. Okay, okay, but think of the this. Think of it this way, Frank. If you had a dog, would you even need a stethoscope? A dog that could just go up and lick lick the queen. Like, if I a guess dog a dog's licks... hearing is better than a human's, right? Exactly. So yeah. they would be able to hear the rhythm of the human's heart. You, you both know that the stethoscope does not lick anything. The, <laughs> that's not the purpose of the stethoscope to substitute licking. I thought it was like a tongue. Is it, is it like a tongue? No. <laughs> See, that's not. its biggest flaw. I thought, I thought doctors use that there, to... There is zero tape, tape receptors on a stethoscope. No? It's for listening. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Which the dog doesn't do any of, correct? Okay, qu- question then, Mike. Why, why is the stethoscope always so dang cold? <laughs> <laughs> is your tongue always cold? I don't see the through line on that <laughs> association. Well, no, just like a dog's tongue, it's like a surprise. It like shocks you. I, I think that's what a stethoscope is. What is what is shocking about a dog's tongue? Like I wouldn't want a dog to just randomly lick me. Just like I don't want a doctor put to put cold metal on my heart. They're just distracting you from their, you know, because doctors are frauds. Usually you go to the doctor. The doctor doesn't show up unannounced to surprise you with a stethoscope. You've made an appointment with him knowing that the stethoscope was a possibility. Well, we go to different doctors. You must go to Dr. Doolittle because that sounds like some bad doctor. Sometimes stuff. I wake up at 3 in the morning and there's my doctor at the stethoscope. Let's <laughs> see my heartbeat. That'd be pretty cool, actually. I mean, yeah, I, I've been healthy so far. That's not really true. I did have surgery. <laughs> what would you do if when you got your um, surgery on your wrist, if Dr. Doolittle treated you for cat bites, how would you have handled that situation? What would you do if when you got your surgery on your wrist, the, the operating room was full of animals? Okay, I'll answer both of those questions. If Doolittle were to treat me for uh, an infection like that, I'm guessing he would just amputate my arm. I'm thinking he would probably first ask you if the cat is okay. Yeah, that would be his first. I agree. Priority. I think he would need to. He would definitely have a conversation with the cat. He talked to the. He cat. could figure out what was going on there, and then he also would be able to. Um, he would be able to perform the operation because if you remember, he goes in through the left ventricle, and that's absolutely brilliant. So. Oh yeah, uh, like I, I would imagine an IND on an abscess would be a much easier than a open heart surgery. Especially on a squirrel, which can you imagine, like the walnut-sized heart a squirrel must have? What the fuck? What the fuck? 
does going through the left ventricle mean in terms of removing a bullet? Like, was the bullet in the squirrel's heart? Uh, yeah. I like, mean, we've never discussed this, I don't think. What does that line mean? Explain it to me. I think it's just to throw some medical term to remind you that he is a doctor because the doctor stuff will not come up until the end of the movie. So they just got to, like, set the scene that he is a doctor. He can do surgery if he has to. But, you know, from here on out, there's not going to be any doctor stuff. Everyone's everyone's heard terminology like left ventricle and stuff like that on medical shows. It's probably a tip of the hat to uh, medical dramas. It could be that uh, Jip is like stupid as hell and has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> he gets it so wrong. He just like he, he's like getting the the bullet out of the squirrel's thigh and he's like he's going in through the left ventricle because yeah like why the why is he in the squirrel's heart if he's removing the bullet um i mean if he got shot in the heart he'd be dead i guess he would be dead <laughs> shot yeah, through he the heart stubbins to uh, blame a squirrel's heart like relative to the size of like a shotgun pellet it it would be like getting shot with a rifle round in the heart you're probably not going to survive that. Yeah, it would, you know? I, it would just be like getting shot with a normal bullet in the heart. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you're it, dead. It, it's like... <laughs> but you guys are forgetting that Kevin has the heart of a champion. And... <laughs> it's true. Heart of a champion, uh, voice of Daryl from The Office. And through teamwork, uh, they make the dream work. I was going to say like most doctors that do little, you know, just does one big surgery and that's enough for him to coast off of for a while. I mean, he is sitting there lounging afterwards, getting massage and eating a dog biscuit. So I think he does an ample amount of celebrity doctoring. However, I will say that Mike is on to something there and uh, I think it would be good to do more doctor stuff. Okay. I think that he should have saved the tiger not through violence, but through compassion. He does a lot of violent solutions involving his, all the animals he encounters along the way. There, there's at least as much violence solutions as there is doctoring. I just got the idea that he declaws the tiger. <laughs> oh, that that would be kind of cool. If he knocks him out and then he wakes up, like off screen, of course, but like, Chi-Chi knocks the tiger out and then he wakes him up and he like declaws him. So then he's like trying to maul Doolittle and he can't. He's just he gubbing him. He's just gubbing him. Yeah. He takes all his teeth too. And then uh, Doolittle is like <laughs> on the floor laughing so hard because it tickles. He takes his teeth. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't endorse that. I do not want the tiger to lose. I don't think he should lose his claws. But the idea that he declaws him and neuters him and microchips him. <laughs> <laughs> And then puts a cone on his head. Like the, the tiger wakes up, there's a cone on his head, and he's got no claws. So he can't bite him because the cone's on his head. And he just keeps running in the thing. You know, that would have been actually a fun bit if he had improvised a cone. That, that, would, have, that would have been a 100% a better scene. The tiger can't eat him because he's wearing a cone. And then it's like, oh, that's a funny vet bit. <laughs> and that satis- yes, it satisfies like the fact that he is a vet and he's not just going to, you know, beat up or kill a tiger and it gives Doolittle a chance to be a little creative he can yeah. you know, use his surroundings to create some kind of apparatus to put on the tiger now your berry berries are safe with me <laughs> oh no 
I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, it is. I do like the joke. Yeah, no, he neuters him, uh, and then he gives Chi-Chi his balls, and Chi-Chi wears them as a necklace. I just don't like the idea <laughs> of uh, non-consensual neutering. That's kind of just normal neutering, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's true. That is all neutering, I guess. Wilfred, did you consent? <laughs> hey, uh, if you guys like the what's going on right now in this conversation, then you're going to love the movie Strays. It just came out. Did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it, but I have Doolittle alerts set on my email. And a lot of <laughs> so a lot of articles about strays keep coming in because it keeps getting compared to Doolittle. Because it's a talking animal movie, but it's rated R and it's supposedly super raunchy and it has humor similar to that. Is that the one with like uh Kevin Hart and whatnot? It's uh Will Farrell and somebody else. You guys need to do a double feature where you go to the actual theater, watch Strays, and then watch Doolittle and sort of like, yeah, put the two of talking animal movies. We stay in the theater. Are we? Yeah, watch Doolittle at the same time as Strays in the theater. Bring a laptop and it's Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell. That movie looks so bad. Just deeply unfunny. But that's like the danger of talking animal movies is you have to make them funny out. It's Have you guys talked about cats and dogs on this podcast? Cats and dogs uh, is the kind of energy that Doolittle would have had if it was made in the 2000s, the early 2000s. See, that's another movie that is like, I feel like it's the same caliber of movie that Doolittle is now. But if that movie was released this year, it would it would be pretty underwhelming. It, like people just went to the movies more. In yeah, it feels well. See, the difference though is that Cats and Dogs has like a little tiny budget, and Doolittle's yeah. budget is two hundred million dollars <laughs> or whatever. And like the Cats and Dogs movies of today just get released direct to streaming, and you know, like five kids watch them. I don't know how true that is. If this movie had been released direct to streaming. I'm sure that people wouldn't have cared so much, but the fact that it's such a huge budget and awful and theater release, that all like piles onto it being just a mess. Oh, I guess you're right, Frank. There is one direct to video, Cats and Dogs. Another fun uh, factoid about Cats and Dogs is they're almost on a 10-year cycle. They release one every 10 years? Uh, Cats and Dogs was 2001. Uh, The sequel is 2010. And then Cats and Dogs 3 was 2020. I didn't know they were still making Cats and Dogs movies. I'm actually surprised by that. I mean, it was direct to video and it was made. So it's going to be like you either like hear about it or you don't, or you come up on it on your streaming app. I remember it being advertised, in fairness. I don't really see movie advertisements that, that often, so I'm like the last person to find out what movie ads are out. You know what... This, I, I just, I have the trailer going because IMDb's here for strays, so it's going in the background. What the movie has going for it is that it's using real animals. Yeah, I'd agree with Boy, that. Wait, cats and dogs? Uh, cats and dogs too, but also strays. I think cats and dogs is a mix. Like, uh, obviously, when animals are in danger, they don't willingly put animals in danger. Don't they use, like, animatronics and stuff, though? Isn't it puppet kind no. of stuff? In cats and dogs, they're, they're not building robot dogs. Really? No, in cats and dogs, it's CG. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I don't yeah, remember this movie. Awful. It's CG. Oh, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> you can say they did not build ro robot animals to like karate kick each other. I thought the I thought the cat was a the evil cat. I thought it was a puppet. You know what? I'm now that I'm thinking of a certain scene that might have been a puppet of some kind. I think there are some scenes where the white version. Most cat... of these animals are real, though. Yeah, most of the animals are real, but there's some scenes. Um, I mean, it scenes. does the same thing as Strays, where the animals are real and they just do the CGI mouth moving thing. Yeah, which is what the Doctor Doolittle movies did. But they aren't gonna like make a dog jump from a building or something like that. So all those scenes are CG. The Doctor Doolittle movies didn't use CG mouth or mouth moving. They did like the weird picture over. Well, I mean, it's still a it's an effect, right? But it's like a classic effect that probably has more. Because, like, that's what they did for, like, Mr. Ed whenever that was, right? No, Mr. Ed was, like, peanut butter, wasn't it? Oh, I thought they did, like, the weird, like, picture over. I don't actually know. I don't know either, I guess. I thought they put peanut butter on his gums. When are we getting the Mr. Ed movie? I'm Googling it right now. Mr. Ed. Uh... Oh, here's how they do it. They put a piece of nylon thread in his mouth and then made him talk using it. And then he learned how to do it himself. Yeah. So over time, they stopped having to use the nylon thread. Oh, I didn't realize that he actually talked. That's so strange. Over time, they taught him English he, and he picked it up. You thought for 1961 TV show, they were using some kind of computer generated effect? No, I, I like I thought it was like a picture over a picture. Ah, I've never seen Mr. Ed, so I don't know. But you're right. Like the simple solution is just actually teaching him to move his mouth <laughs> they should have done that for this movie have every character be a horse <laughs> yes it would have been way cooler yes talking horse the movie that'd be great doolittle's a horse in this. no doolittle can be a horse girl no what if dr doolittle was not a human at all and he was uh chi chi that would actually be really cool he actually knows english and then but he can also talk to animals. He never meets people in person because uh, yeah. he doesn't want to reveal it. So he's always yeah, he hides in working his behind. Yeah. And it's just like, drop your sick pet at the door. I'll come get it. We've had this like thought or this joke in the past where it's like everyone is convincing Doolittle that he's actually talking to animals and he's not. But what if like Doolittle is an animal and everyone's just like, yeah, he's a human. <laughs> they gaslight Doolittle into thinking that he's a human. I, I like the, the plot twist that he's not a human at all. and He's just pretending so we can treat medicine. It's like meat, Dave. Well, I don't, I don't want like a tiny animal to be piloting, piloting like a human. A mech, mech suit. You don't want a mech. No, I do. It's a tapeworm. <laughs> okay. Doodle's been, <laughs> Doodle's being piloted by a sentient tapeworm. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I like that. That's a little dark, though. I don't like it. I don't think kids would enjoy that. You could definitely do some fun body horror stuff where, like, the tapeworm crawls inside of the patients to find out what's wrong with them. <laughs> Leaves Doolittle's Doolittle's body. body slumps over and this giant, giant worm, tapeworm <laughs> crawls, out. From his mouth. <laughs> crawls out of his eyeball. <laughs> it's a tapeworm. It would crawl out of his butt. How we get Doolittle to rated R? Uh, we did have that discussion during the movie is how... Uh, there, this is more like three or four years ago, right? Where it was like a push to get things rated R. It was like off of the success of like Deadpool. And people were like, oh, like 
movies can be successful and rated R. So like the idea of like Stephen Gagnon's original vision for this movie was rated R. <laughs> the Gagan cut. That's what I'm gonna be asking Peacock for is the Gagan cut. Do the Gagan cut. Uh Mike, you mentioned that you had a new segment for us. I, had a new I thought his bit was the NASCAR thing. Was that? <laughs> it was that, that was the bit that I had. Oh, I'm so and sorry. That's why. I, that's why I was sort of up in the air to bring it up at all because <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of like you know it starts and ends in a matter of seconds. So, well, do you want to perform it again? <laughs> but it's over. That bit's over. We're moving on. <laughs> do we need to go back to it? No, uh, we're not. We're we're over. We're oh, over. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. NASCAR. Bit. Yeah, he's a NASCAR driver, but he's also now an actor, and you're gonna want to pay attention to him because. He's back uh, with his new movie, Oppenheimer. <laughs> no, Frank, okay. that is so funny. Uh, Frank, that, is, that joke, you <laughs> that is the funniest <laughs> joke. That original content you just dropped. <laughs> Oppenheimer. I have a new character for Doodle. It's a vulture. And whenever Doodle says something, the vulture repeats it. And they're all like, oh, he's so smart. <laughs> Oh, he's so funny. Or no, the vulture repeats like the animals one off, like the lion. It just repeats lines and all the animals laugh at it. It has to be jokes. It has to be jokes. Yeah. Like it express emotional vulnerability. And it has to be the animals say them kind of quietly and then the vulture repeats them really loud. Respect. Respect! Oh, vulture. <laughs> You're so good at making good jokes, vulture. Oh, you. <laughs> That'd be good. What's his name? It's just Vulture. Just Vulture? Yeah. It's actually it's actually just a man who vaguely resembles a vulture and like where where he has a bald head and like a big nose and wings. My um theory for the vulture character concept is he's unnamed. He just shows up unannounced. Every once in a while flies through and steals the punchline to a joke or something. That'd be good. And then he feasts upon the dead animals. Yeah, no, that's that's gross. I don't think people would he like. He feasts him. upon the laughter and the mirth and the merriment. And then a uh, doctor Doolittle is always like shooing him away because he finds him annoying. A vulture, an annoying vulture who keeps showing up, uh, would be better than James the Dragon. James, Boy. yeah, it is, we just yeah. invented James. <laughs> James, is so terrible. James would be funnier if he just repeated other things that people said. Like, it, like if Stubbins said, we're a real couple of bad boys, huh? And then <laughs> if you had, like, discrete five-minute bits where the vulture just appears out of nowhere to, like, steal a joke or say something ridiculous, that could probably replace the entire Monty Verde sequence. You, you don't even have to go there anymore. And then it would probably still be a better movie. On second thought, let's not go to Monte Verde. Tis a silly place. It's only a model. Yeah, no, I thought you had a new bit for us. Sorry. No, I did. It's just the bit's over, and we all have to move past it. I can't move. We gotta go back. Mike, I've watched the movie 102 times. Do you think I move past anything? <laughs> all right. You, you come up with a new bit for this show. He's got you there. I, I have many times. A new one? Okay. You want a new bit? You want to do a little bit? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to workshop it, so get back to me and like five minutes in eight, 18 weeks just in 18 weeks Finn and we'll have a new <laughs> do a little bit i'm gonna really knock your teeth out in, in 18 weeks what are you guys gonna do to for the finale have you thought about it are you having a new new little z party i have this silly idea in my head that 
we somehow come up with like a trivia show or something and we quiz you we get a we get a quiz we get a moderator to quiz like us that. and we write all the questions and, and whoever <laughs> fails has to watch the movie again a hundred oh, times that, that is really good i'm very excited for specifically that episode. the winner the winner can be done the loser has to watch the movie again has to continue the podcast for another <laughs> year <laughs> have to find a new person to watch it with and take another quiz it's my curse now it's yours <laughs> the do little curse uh i love that idea yeah, i think that'd be fun i i just i can only imagine the insane the insanely specific questions you're going to ask each other uh, in order to make the other one watch the movie. <laughs> it's like how how many seconds in <laughs> does this line occur? We'll have to play some rules about. I don't know. No, no rules. No it's rules. Kind of dangerous, and I do like that. Sorry, there's a fly in this house. He is the chosen one. Is it mood fly? You should just get a uh, you should get a seagull, and then the seagull will just eat the fly. Problem solved. Well, I have cats, and they're seagull like. And then I'll need to get a pelican to eat the seagull. It's yeah. just right now it's sleepy cat hours, so the seagulls aren't working currently. The my dog is also sleeping, so it's sleepy dog hour as well. You should wake up your cats. Fauna, you gotta wake up. There's a fly in the room. Help. She doesn't seem to care. Are you one of those people who will hold up the cat to go catch a fly? No, I don't. Pris is a... So, I, my cat's fun on Pris. Miss Pris. Miss Pris is a pretty good hunter. She can get pretty much everything. And then Fauna just kind of slaps around the house, and it's very amusing. But I don't really pick them up and uh, guide them towards it. They don't like that too much. It takes all the fun out. Fauna doesn't like being picked up due to having uh, bendy legs. So, oh, she's running in her sleep like a dog. She's probably dreaming of being a dog. <laughs> that's her, yeah, that's her one aspiration in life. She's seen you watch the movie Doolittle now and sees how much you like Jip. Well done, mates. <laughs> well played, dramatic entrance. God, I hate Jip. Mike, who's your favorite character? Who's my favorite character? Huh? And it can't be Yoshi. I, I would really have to think about it. So you'll get back to us in 18 weeks? Yeah, in 18 weeks I might decide. Circle back. I'm pretty, uh, uh maybe the whale. Maybe the whale's the whale. a good pick. He has no connection to Doolittle other than he knows that when he hears the horn, he has to go drive a boat. That's because uh, one time Doolittle saved him from a bunch of orcas. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, okay. That'd be a good question for your trivia show at the end of the year. Yeah, he personally harpooned the orcas himself. This happens in the <laughs> it happens in the graphic novel adaptation. Uh, I think you're lying. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Doctor. See, the animals clearly still have to eat one another. So I wonder how that dynamic plays in the, within that universe. You really should read Doolittle Unchained. <laughs> right. Yeah. The uh, graphic novel adaptation. Where animals, it happens like, uh, I think it's set 250 years before the events of Doolittle 2020. And what happens... <laughs> 220 BD before <laughs> Doolittle. What happens is that uh, the animals start becoming sentient and aware. And uh, they need a way to distinguish themselves from the wild animals. So what they do is they start fashioning hats and things to wear. 
And the wild animals are still fair game. Right. The wild animals are still fair game because they haven't uh, become sentient. Just like us. Like, we don't eat other people, but we do eat animals because they can't talk. (laughs) Like, if you were mute, I would probably eat you. (laughs) Oh. Mm. I'm just saying. (laughs) Clearly, you're not. you, You can't talk. Clearly, you're food. But what if I wore a hat? See, then. Yeah. I know you can talk. If you're just you can pretending decide you're... to wear a hat, then you can't. If you can decide to wear a hat, you're sentient. That's why I make all my cats wear hats, so that way I know they're not food. Well, they didn't decide to wear a hat, though. You have to make the choice. Right. That, that's what demonstrates. Confidence. I think that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good test. I think, like for extraterrestrials and things like that. If if they come down to Earth and we present them with a table full of hats and they pick one and wear it, then we'll know that. Uh, and, if, and if they don't, I, we eat them. Right. It, it's like four in the morning, you wake up in, to a bright light, and then when you come to, you're in a room with just hats, and you're like, <laughs> what's this? And you put one on, the aliens come out, and they're like, okay. They shake your hand. <laughs> you passed the test. <laughs> you put on the hat. <laughs> I do think there's something to that. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think there is too. How, how so monkeys are are really safe is what we're getting at do they choose to wear hats they can they have you can choose to wear a hat do people eat monkeys people do but it's it's not a very common thing it's probably kind of hard to find a monkey to eat yeah yeah it's kind of a dangerous animal to try and eat because they don't they're not real like i've never seen a monkey before you're I've seen lying. a monkey. you're saying you've never been to the zoo I, I don't know what you mean by the zoo I have an inn at Regent Park Zoo. I've never understood that line. I don't Everyone know pack is. your bags. We're going to the zoo. Alright, I got a new bit for you, Frank. Okay, let's hear it. Which animal is the tastiest to eat in Doolittle? The tastiest to eat in Doolittle? <laughs> yeah. Like, so the Doolittle's taking the dark turn. Uh he's on the boat. The the sails are been broken They're, he's gonna die he has to eat one animal which is the tastiest what is he eating i i can't answer this because i've never eaten a polar bear or a giraffe or yeah a but dog just like or... just like looking through the animals right which animal do you think is the tastiest <laughs> which one do you think he would eat first I think I know the answer, but I'll let you guys think on it for a moment if you I need mean, to. It depends on the situation, right? I think it's Humphrey. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's Humphrey. If he had Humphrey available, he would just have Humphrey pull him to land, and then he wouldn't have If he has to choose, you have to eat Humphrey because that would provide you with the most. Yeah, that's my thoughts. But, but Mike is right. Yes, but do you think Humphrey is going to be cool with being you eaten? You would also be able to feed all of the other animals using Humphrey, so everyone would get to survive. Well, I mean, Doolittle is kind of like their own god. So it, it, if he were offering to eat them, I think they would be happy about it. Well, um, I mean, I was going to say the squirrel, just because he, he's known that animal for the least amount of that's time. That's actually a really good one to pick. If That's he has snack, to eat one though. animal. The question is, are all of the other animals hungry as well? Like, is is Yoshi going to be over there licking his lips seeing you eat Kevin? Frank, you've brought up a great point, and I'm glad you brought this up. You eat Yoshi so that he doesn't eat everyone else? No, so there's a line in Doolittle where, uh, Doolittle the movie, where the like weird chipmunk squirrels are like, 
Save some for us this time. No, those are the mice. The mice, right. Yeah, the mice come down the elevator and they say, Hey, Doc, save some for us this time. Because he's making a brothy soup. Yes, because last time he ate it all. He ate it all himself. And the animals were not... They're they're hungry. So what my point is, is that Doolittle typically... He makes the animals harvest the food and then he eats it all himself. Uh And he gives them the scraps because that's the kind of person he is. So in this situation, I think he would allow the animals to go hungry because they're lively. Like he doesn't care if they live or die. As long as his appetites are sated. (laughs) In that case, he has to eat Kevin because he hasn't known him very long. That's a good point. Yeah, I think he would eat Kevin. I think I have the answer for which animal probably tastes the best. Okay. Is it Kevin? Because it's probably Kevin. I don't know. I think I'm going to throw Plimpton in the ring. Plimpton? That's good. He's like the biggest chicken. Think of this. Think of the drumstick you would get off an ostrich. I I imagine ostriches would be kind of tough, right? Because they're like super muscular. Yeah, they 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 would be. But you got to think it's it's not a wild ostrich, Clinton. He seems pretty lazy. That's that's fair. Oh, that's gosh. fair. So I I think he would just have like the biggest, like most tender drumstick you've ever eaten, especially if you're hungry. If you're starving to death, it would probably taste pretty good. You would probably be eating him and saying this was the right choice. The idea that Doolittle has let Plimpton get sedentary so he can like fatten them up and then eat him. Which is cabin situation. Hansel and Gretel. And uh, he doesn't have that many lines in the movie, so it really wouldn't change the film that much. I don't answer Plimpton. Okay, yeah, you've answered it. Well, that, that has been my mini game. You're welcome. It didn't take me 18 weeks. It took me That's a good roughly bit. 10 minutes. <laughs> there were some legs on that bit. What's the what's that segment called? Who's hungry? <laughs> good enough. Yeah, good enough. Looks Who's like hungry? meat's back on the menus, boys. Yes, that's an even better one. Because as we know throughout the movie, meat is never on the menu. That is a good point, Frank. Uh, take us take us deeper into that. Sure. Uh, what can I say about? The menu. The menu. I'll list everything that's eaten on screen in Doolittle so that everyone can uh, get hungry thinking about delicious things. Uh, First thing that's eaten is, this is only an implication, but um, Kevin reaches reaches for an acorn. Frank, that's not on screen. Him eating acorns is not on screen. Well, but the food is there, right? It's technicality. Yeah, but he's not eating it. Okay, okay, okay. All out. Uh, the, then the first thing would be a dog biscuit that Doolittle eats after saving Kevin. Is it a dog biscuit? I always just assumed it was a cookie. That's. I assume that that's what the joke was. Because I'm pretty sure it's shaped a bit like a dog bone. I think you're right. As he chomps on it. Uh, after that, he takes a big bite of ginger root. Oh, the leeches eat the queen. We see that as well. Uh, Dr. Doolittle takes a big bite of ginger root. And then he chews on a piece of licorice then we see the feast laid out at Rizzoli's that's the next eating scene I believe and James lands on a cherry on some delicious looking desserts and he eats handfuls of cherry and the table is spread with a lot of vegetarian options at Rizzoli's palace some kind of uh, a rice dish or curry or something lots of fruits dragon fruit some kind of tuber, tomatoes, that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then the dragon eats English soldiers. So they, the somebody eats meat in the movie one time. That's a good point. I actually forgot about that. I should have said that they, I shouldn't have implied English soldiers are vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they are vegetables. <laughs> you can put that on the record. So Mike and Frank, what have you guys been doing outside do little this week? I have been enjoying video games. I don't know if anybody's aware, but there's lots of good video games to play right now. Gamers are rising up right now. Games are rising up right now, and gamers should rise up to meet the challenge. Uh, me in particular, have been playing a little bit of Elden Ring, a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3, and a little bit of Armored Core 6, which just released uh, four days ago. All of them fantastic. All of them... Probably 9 out of 10 games. It's the Mike Seal of Approval. Mike Seal of Approval. Games are good. Finally. Games are good. After a huge drive. Games are good again. You heard it here on View Little. Video games, say what you want about them. A lot of, a lot of duds out there, but games are finally back. Games are back. What about you, Finn? Well, I haven't really done much at all. I, I have also been playing Baldur's Gate 3 and... Yeah, let me tell you, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good gate. Otherwise, as far as games, I I have like a rotating group of games that I've been playing off and on for a while. Always Dota. Yeah, Dota 2 is always in there. Um, If you're looking for a good boomer shooter, uh, Dead Link's pretty great. Would recommend. But yeah, that's probably probably it for me i don't think i've really watched too many things i feel like i've watched a movie recently actually but now i've forgotten i've been watching some movies lately do you want me to go on a rogue one a star wars story rant because i could but i yeah do, do <laughs> it go on please go on. you really want me to <laughs> yeah we can just slurp it oh, out boy. okay <laughs> um so i watched the andor tv series recently and I really liked it. It was very good. After watching it, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder, is Rogue One, is it better than I remember? Because I did not like it at all when it came out. And so I I finally convinced myself to go back and watch it, Rogue One. And after doing so, I realized, no, it's not good. It's bad. And I should have trusted my first impression of it. There are so many frustrating things about the movie. It's just a bunch of remember this moments, like nostalgia baiting stupid stuff there's some weird weird nostalgia bait awful darth vader scenes where it's like strange mustafar isengard castle like weird darth vader moments um that just don't matter like it's like darth vader uh violence porn yeah and uh there's also this is like the start of seeing goopy cgi faces from dead actors reincarnated (laughs) yeah which is just horrible um really dumb bad guys like the decision to fire the death star at your own base and destroy it just doesn't make sense and then they also have the movie lead directly into episode four which is really dumb because it makes tons of inaccuracies for the original trilogy the original trilogy suddenly doesn't really make sense because of the way that movie ends. Wait, how so? Episode four starts with 
Princess Leia on the Tantive Four with the Death Star plans, right? She's hiding them in R2-D2. The ship that gets away at the end of Rogue One is the Tantive Four. So we're supposed, like, we see Leia there. But the idea that Leia tries to convince Darth Vader her ship is only a diplomatic vessel when they were literally just chased from the battle that they stole the plans at doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, you're right. That kind of rules, though. That actually is really funny. The the entire thing of Darth Vader and what's the General Tarkin is the regooped man. Yeah. Um, Peter Cushing. They them going after Leia and like trying to convince her to tell them where the rebel base is and everything and where she hid the plans and her being like immune to the resistant to the torture and everything. None of that really matters anymore because they know exactly where she came from and everything it just i don't know it bothers me it bothers me how much it makes the original trilogy's story weaker because they jump immediately from this darth vader violence scene into space so i found i found rogue one really frustrating yeah i don't re- remember really being impressed by it it was kind of boring um, and haven't really felt the need to return to it. It's also a super cut up mess, which isn't really its fault, but that's the biggest issue. It it just doesn't the pacing in, in it is all wrong. The emotional moments are all unearned because the characters, the way they're built isn't interesting or fun. It's like there are three characters who work as side characters. It's Baze, Chirrut, and the droid K2SO4. Yeah. Those all work. Those they have they have nice little tidy side character arcs that work Andor's arc isn't bad it doesn't make any sense though it's super rushed and it's like yeah you're built it it would be fine if you took that arc and i don't know built it out over a miniseries like they did and he's a good character in the miniseries i have a question for you because like his rogue one arc is he's like a ruthless rebel soldier who does what it takes and then he uh redeems himself at the end kind of right He's a ruthless rebel soldier who does whatever it takes, but then he also doesn't do whatever it takes whenever it's it's the girl who he doesn't know's dad <laughs> who he suddenly has a crush on or something. Like, yeah, what? yeah. That that's it's like his arc awful. is is like he starts to learn that like sometimes the price is too much. Well, but he's literally on the ship with this woman for like jumping from one planet to another and suddenly feels this way. Like, I don't know. So I'm that sorry. was my question, is like, does that are there like signs of that in the series like the andor series then no the andor series is structured really well it's really good he's willing to do things he's looking out for himself at the start and it sort of builds through the series right and he's willing to do sort of like his character at the start of rogue one to willing to do things for the rebellion but um yeah it just doesn't work in rogue one if rogue one a star wars story had been a miniseries like Andor and had the chance to build out some of the stuff that they tried to do but doesn't work because the way it's structured, I don't know. Maybe it could have worked. Anyway, I also watched Dog Day Afternoon from 1975. It's a bank robbery, black comedy, bit of anxiety, bit of humor, really good performances. Okay, I remember what I watched. What did you watch? Predator. Oh, Predator, the new one? Yeah, Shiz- no, 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 the original okay not the predator just one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah and Carl Weathers it was really good it really holds up cool um 
I have a, I have a bit. I have a new bit. I want to hear it. It might be good for you guys to end on if, if that's how you want to do this. I'd sure. love to. Let's hear it. Okay, so it's called Where My Dog's At. And uh, one of you will choose a line from the movie, but bark it out as a dog. <laughs> and the other one has to guess what line you're barking. Fid, do you have a line ready? I do. Okay, do you want to try it? Uh, so I, I had to bark a line and Frank has to get it. Yeah, that that is that is the bit. Just just so I understand the bit, I am going to pretend to be a dog. Well, I mean, you only have to pretend as far as it takes to bark bark words in a cadence that would make you think that Frank would know what line from the movie you're replicating. All right, and what's my motivation? <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I don't know. To end, to end the podcast, oh, I guess. Well, then I. Frank, I'm sorry, I'm not motivated. The podcast what? will never end. <laughs> oh no, we got it. You got to do it, man. All right. Um... Oh, oh, shit! I don't even know what that is. This is this is might be harder than I thought. Um, <laughs> I was in the middle of my head. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that we were going to be able to do this in a way that. Uh, it would be at least, you know, not that hard to understand. All right, I, okay, I, think, I got a different one. I, I think it. I know. Oh, you cannot. <laughs> I think I you know. You cannot know. I think I know. Okay, I'm ready, Frank. I'm pretty sure what you said was, my mates. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the podcast. They're on Spotify. Anywhere you listen to podcast. They're watching Do Little every week at Tuesday. Tune in to View Little for more Where Your Dog's At. Mike, where can you reach us? I have no clue. Just email email anybody to see if they know where these two are. If you're are. looking to email someone, it should be doctor.viewlittle uh, at gmail.com. That's dr.viewlittle at gmail.com. And yeah, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. This has been another excellent episode of You Little. Thank you, Michael, for thank you, uh, <clears throat> thank you, Mike, for joining us <laughs> remotely. Thank you, Finn, for joining us remotely. Yeah, and, of course. And thank you, Frank, for joining us remotely. Mm, well, we could talk about that later. Always a pleasure, boys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Frank, uh, bark us out of the line and we'll reveal at the next episode if we remember. <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> um, I'm not going to remember that one. For those of you who don't want to wait till next week, I did not remember it. <laughs> We're out of here. Peace. Bye.